fascinating subsection of this franchise's fan base that gets excessively protective of the brand. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins in the same place that you found this. I totally get this. Because if you're a Pirates fan in Pittsburgh, especially in Pittsburgh, and you're surrounded by people who follow the Steelers or the Penguins, or don't follow sports at all, really, maybe just casual observers of games, you're going to hear it. You're going to get mocked for it. And what's way worse than that, when you get into the type of media that's going to be talking about the Pirates without actually knowing much about the Pirates. And don't make me get more specific than that. And most of this, you know, is the old school stuff. If it's articles, uh, radio, that sort of thing, where everybody just kind of has to talk about the Pirates because it's that time of year. They're not really all that into it. And they'll just say stuff that, you know, rips on the team or reminds somebody of, how PNC Park ran out of hot dog buns one night, that kind of stuff, right? So you'll naturally build up this thicker skin, these calluses, and you'll get reflexively defensive even in the face of legitimate criticism. And I have to remind people on occasion, speaking just for myself, that whenever I'm Criticizing the Pirates, it's not to jump on some kind of goofy bandwagon or ill-informed bandwagon. It's because I'm paying very, very close attention, and I'm around the team, and I'm talking to them, and I have a fairly decent idea of what it is that goes both poorly and goes well. And to attempt to emphasize that to you today. I want to send you into the weekend with nothing other than my own impressions of what it is that Ben Charrington and his staff, Derek Shelton and his staff have done well through four years and why there just might be somewhere hidden in all of this nothingness, a fragment of hope. It's not nothing, for example, that Brian Reynolds, Kibrian Hayes, and O'Neill Cruz, I'm going to throw Cruz into this as well, and maybe even Jack Sawinski, are everyday or above average everyday players in this lineup. Depending on how you analyze it, depending on potential, blah, blah, blah. But they are who they are, regardless of who it was that acquired them, regardless of bumps or expectations along the way. They are who they are. Somebody did that. Somebody got half of an everyday major league lineup in place. Henry Davis is here. Andy Rodriguez would have been here. Leo Verpiguero has something to show here. If he doesn't, Tamar Johnson's on the way. Yeah, I know. Number one overall pick and everything else here. But Andy, as an example, was an afterthought to most people. In that big three-team trade, 
From the pitching standpoint, it's obviously a lot rougher. That's why this offseason is going the way that it is. Because so much had to be repaired. However, however, if you want to talk about Charrington and Trays, he got David Bednar. And from there, Shelton and his staff, including Oscar Marine, have gotten the most out of Bednar. Mitch Keller, yeah, I mention all the time. Drafted by the previous guys, uh, saw the light thanks to an outside pitching outfit. But he's still out there every day, and he's still an all-star starter. And there's a lot more that goes into that than a couple of guys in a lab figuring out how to make him throw 100 miles an hour for a couple of weeks. I can credit Charrington for acquiring Johan Oviedo, even though the team as a whole grossly mismanaged him in 2023 and sent him to the surgeon's office that they're sending way too many pitchers to. Carmen Mlodzinski looks like he's going to be a pretty good pitcher for a long time out of that pen. That was a high draft pick. Colin Holderman, nice acquisition. That was a trade. That was Daniel Vogel back to the Mets. That's a pretty good deal for this club. Ryan Barucki coming out of seemingly nowhere at 29 years old to be an effective lefty. And in general, in general, the organization as a whole, even though it has not done everything well, to be kind on this day where I'm trying to be kind, is tighter, more disciplined, and more forward-looking than any edition of the Pirates I've ever covered. I wish that would lead to smarter and more aggressive decisions, but it says something unto itself that they've gotten to this stage, and that's a credit mostly to Charrington, also to Travis Williams. What can they do to make something out of 2024? Well, a lot of that's going to have to happen in the next, you know, handful of weeks, if not the next couple of weeks, leading into pitchers and catchers reporting. This team needs starting pitching. This team is not going after Corbin Burns, as we all learned yesterday. But this team needs to find, I was going to say somebody of that caliber, but Burns is a Cy Young guy. They need to find somebody who can come in and be a legit, no doubt, no dispute, number two behind Keller. And allow Paul Skeens, when he gets to Pittsburgh, to not have to be the guy in the rotation the moment he sets foot inside PNC Park. That has to happen. There's not going to be any kind of bubbly optimism, manufactured or otherwise, about the way this season is going to go unless they add and add significantly to the rotation. The fact that they haven't done so yet is concerning. It's deeply concerning, particularly when it's weighed that these guys haven't come across as being uber competitive in terms of spirit over their first four years. That can still change. That, that all by itself should lend to at least some optimism, naive or otherwise. When we come back, J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern. That's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. 
It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Your front door, your car, your bike, your computer, your gun. Safety is a habit. Every day you lock and secure your home and everything you want to keep safe. Gun safety and responsible storage are no different and the best way to help prevent accidents, misuse, and theft. If you have a firearm, own it, respect it, and secure it. Visit ProjectChildSafe.org. Brought to you by the National Shooting Sports Foundation and the Bureau of Justice Assistance. Today's J1Q comes from Matthew, who says, DK, is there a chance that the Pirates have received some good news about one or more of Rwanzi Contreras, Quinn Priester, or Luis Ortiz, and that's why they haven't signed another free agent option? I mean, we know they're cheap and all. We haven't heard a word about any of these three guys. Matthew, if there was a good word to be heard on any of these guys, my guess is that it first would have been stripped across the top of Mount Washington in giant red neon letters with fireworks shooting off of each individual letter because that's how much they'd want to get out there that they'd done something well with these pitchers. I have not heard anything in one direction or the other. I am not inclined to speculate. I am inclined to wait to see what comes of all three of them in Bradenton especially Contreras because he's out of options and especially Contreras because he was the big hope. He was the flamethrower who was supposed to come up and really solidify this rotation, if not make it into something special, something truly dynamic, a weapon, walking into stadiums with guys who could just mow you down. And instead, he became just a guy. I believe, based on what I have heard from the inside, that if the Pirates can find themselves a fourth guy, meaning someone in addition to Keller, Marco Gonzalez, Martin Perez, you're going to see that fifth spot go to one of these three pitchers. In a perfect world, that's Contreras. Again, because you'd hate to put him on options and have him get picked up by the Rays and turn into an all-star. And from there, and this is just me calendar gazing, if Contreras or Ortiz or Priester holds down a spot or doesn't hold down a spot based on the health of the other pitchers, you can bring up Skeens here again as someone who doesn't have all this extra pressure heaped on them. He's not going to take the mound feeling that he's got to throw 105. You could operate from a theoretical position of strength, which I would argue that you could have done anyway by changing your instruction, meaning changing your instructor. If you had brought in a pitching coach who hadn't overseen the regression of all of these younger pitchers, then you would have had, my goodness, listen to the conversation. That we'd be having. I mean, you would have Mitch, you'd have yourself a couple other veterans, you'd have Skeens, and then you'd have a bunch of young dudes fighting for spots in the rotation. That's the way this was supposed to happen, remember? That's what had been teased. 
by management repeatedly. Just wait till these guys get here. Wait till they get here. Well, they got here. Then they got ruined. I appreciate the question. I tried today. I really did. I really, really did. I appreciate everybody who listens to Daily Shot of Pirates, and we will do another one of these on Monday. 